0: Let me tell you a story of a new world that is coming. It is the story where brokenness is mended and justice is complete. It is a story where hope becomes reality and love has free reign. It is the story of a future that is whole, where all creation is set right. It is a story of a worthy redeemer, making everything new. Good morning once again, everybody. I am Benjamin Benjamin, one of your pastors here, and it's always a joy to speak to you um, on a Sunday. So um, this is the last week of this All Things New series. And I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you, because a lot of you have told us how encouraging this series, this discussion has been for your heart. And I know that it has been for mine, too. So, um, Brett's video uh, said that we weren't going to use any sports stories, but uh, incidentally, I do have a sports story to start with today. But to be fair, I don't think I've ever done a sports story, so um, it's it's all good. Um, it was Super Bowl 51, 2017. And if anybody... Um, here or watching online or listening on the podcast, and you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell this story. I apologize in advance, but um, anyway, the Patriots are favored to win this Super Bowl, um, but they, they, they were not looking like they were gonna win. Stop me if you've heard this one, but they were down 28 to three in the third quarter, 28 to three in the third quarter. Um, so, a lot of you know that they sometimes have some of the players mic'd up, they call it, right? So they put these little microphones in the helmets or something, I don't know where they put them, but they're mic'd up so that you can go back and listen to the players' commentary or their thoughts or whatever um, they're saying during the game. It's pretty entertaining. So <clears throat> uh, they had a mic on several players. One of them was a little five foot ten wide receiver from Kent State of all places, named Julian Edelman. He was miked up that night. And um, he stayed positive the whole game, even when they were down all the way through most of the third quarter. He was encouraging. Every time the Falcons would score, he would lift everybody up. He wouldn't lose hope. And there was one phrase that he kept saying over and over. He kept saying something over and over. Guys, this is going to be one heck of a story this is going to be one heck of a story. This is going to be a heck of a story. He keeps saying it over and over. And if you remember this game, you know that he was right. It was a heck of a story. They proceeded to score 25 points by the end of the game to tie the game. So they had to go into overtime and won 34 to 28. It was, is the biggest comeback win in Super Bowl history. It's almost like Julian Edelman already knew the end of the story. It's almost like he believed that it was going to end with their victory. And in that belief, I think it probably changed the way that he showed up. It changed the way that he played. It changed the way that he spoke to his teammates. And church, we know the end of the story. We know that it's one heck of a story, and we know that it ends with victory and renewal and wholeness and righteousness and love that wins in the end. So today, as we wrap up this series, we need to ask this question. How does that hope, how does the hope of the coming renewal change us today? How does the end of the story affect the way that we live here and now, here and now. If it's true at the end of the story that our bodies will be well and creation will be restored and everything that's lost will be found and evil will be vanquished, then how does that affect the way that we live and love today? Now, traditionally in the Western church, or especially the American church, there have been kind of two answers to that question two answers to the question of if we know where this is all going, what do we do about it now? So to really boil those two things down, they would be this. Saving souls or social justice. If you think about it, those have kind of been the two answers that the American church has kind of tried to offer up. We should be saving the souls or we should be making everything Just, social justice. Now, the saving souls view says that everyone is going to go and be tormented forever unless they say a prayer so that they can go into a disembodied heavenly realm somewhere with God. The social justice view says that we should put all the efforts, all the time, all the energy into working to right all of the inequality and injustice and abuses of power in the world. Now, do we want people to choose to follow the Jesus way, to see the Father through Jesus the Son? Yes. And do we want to work for justice and righteousness for the least and the last and the lost? Yes. Yes, we do. But like we do around here a lot of times, I would like to maybe offer a third way, maybe a way to to, to reframe the way that we look at this how we live in the light of the truth of God's coming renewal and rescue of all things. So let's just say this. Our job is not to save souls. Jesus is the rescuer and renewer of all things, including and especially the souls of people. And let me say this. It's not our job to accomplish social justice because we can't. God can, and he will in the end. Stay with me, now that I've offended 93% of you. Stay with me. Neither one of these approaches fully, that's the key word, fully encompasses the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does? Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about that our destiny in Christ is, is not to be souls with angel wings that float away from the fallen earth into a heavenly realm when we die, but that God is bringing... Heaven to earth in cosmic harmony. N.T. Wright wrote a book called Surprised by Hope. This is what he says in there. When we reintegrate what should never have been separated, the kingdom inaugurating public work of Jesus and his redemptive death and resurrection, we find that the gospels tell a different story It is the story of God's kingdom being launched on earth as it is in heaven, generating a new state of affairs in which the power of evil has been decisively defeated, the new creation has been decisively launched, and Jesus' followers have been commissioned and equipped to put that victory and that inaugurated new world into practice into practice so how does the hope of all things made new changes today it transforms our souls from the inside out and it transforms the way that we speak and love and give and grieve and work and worship but that same hope also animates us and invites us into action It makes clear to us that we have indeed, like Wright put it, been commissioned and equipped to put that victory and inaugurated new world into practice. And that hope can come alive and become reanimated when we realize that the gospel of Jesus is about the launch of the kingdom of God on this planet. And his death and his resurrection validated and punctuated his teaching. And his actions, his words, and his deed. Wright goes on to say this The whole point of what Jesus was up to was that he was doing close up in the present what he was promising long term in the future. And what he was promising for that future and doing in that present was not saving souls for a disembodied eternity but rescuing people from the corruption and decay of the way the world presently is so that they could enjoy already in the present that renewal of creation, which is God's ultimate purpose, so they could thus become colleagues and partners in that larger project. Knowing the end of the story, like we've talked about for the past month, it doesn't mean that all we have to do is get everyone to say a special prayer and go to heaven. And it also doesn't mean that we can just ignore the work of justice that must be done. But knowing the end of the story means that we possess a hope that calls us forward into what that hope promises. And it calls us into participating in the actualization of, the realization of that promise. Is that true, church? But if I put on my critical thinking cap for just a second, I may start to wonder, okay, if everything is going to be renewed and set right, then what's my job? Why why do I need to participate in this if it's all already going to be fine? it's a valid question so to answer that question imagine this with me you're at the beach it's not crowded but there's some people there it's a beautiful day very peaceful you're laying back on the beach but then you kinda start to hear some splashing and then the splashing sounds kind of desperate and you sit up and you're blinded by what seems to be the Sun and then you hear a voice. The child that is drowning, they'll be okay. They will be saved and they will be made new. So you lay back down, close your eyes again, and you know that it'll all be okay. Work on your tan. How absurd is that? How absurd is that? Can you imagine not acting on what you saw? Just because you were convinced the story would end well? Of course not, of course not. It's like having a loved one that's terminally ill but you somehow knew that they would survive the illness so you just, you just stop taking them to treatment. Throw away the medications, stop praying for their healing because it's all gonna be okay. Of course not, of course we wouldn't do that because the knowledge of the end of the story does not absolve us of responsibility to participate in the renewal of the here and now. On the contrary, that knowledge charges us with the responsibility to participate. In other words, the coming shalom, the end of the story, the wholeness that's coming is not a movie that we can sit back and watch and we know that it has a good ending. It is an invitation. It is a calling. It is a birthright. It's our mission to continue Jesus' work of bringing the wholeness of the kingdom of God to earth right now. When we become sons and daughters of the King, we inherit everything that Jesus has, including his work. This is a hands on renewal. Back to Mr. Wright. Because the early Christians believed that resurrection had begun with Jesus and would be completed in the great final resurrection on the last day, they believed that God had called them to work with Him in the power of the Spirit to implement the achievement of Jesus and thereby to anticipate the final resurrection in personal and political life in mission and holiness." if jesus the messiah was the end in person god's future arrived in the present then those who belonged to jesus and followed him were empowered by his spirit were charged with transforming the present as far as they were able in the light of that future so we have this real and unshakable hope that we have begun to own, to grab hold of, that the end of the story is good and true, that all things will be made new, and that hope changes the way we live and love by transforming us on the inside and spurring us on to participate in that work. So what does that look like? What does it look like to participate in building for God's kingdom? Well, I think it looks a lot like you, church. I think it looks a lot like the family at Element. I think it looks like Heather opening up her home over and over again to troubled and homeless and hopeless teens. I think it looks like Aaron's radical and faithful grace toward the poor and the parentless I think it looks like Peyton and Bryce and Brielle welcoming dozens of babies into their house and sharing everything they have with them. I think it looks like Brian teaching thousands of students over two decades that we win when we love. I think it looks like Nick and his comforting words to his patients before they get rolled back into life-altering surgery. It looks like people that grieve with hope, that forgive anyway, that choose kindness towards strangers in the drive-through. It looks like mended fences, literally and figuratively, and delivered meals. And it looks like gathering in a home to rejoice and mourn and read and pray and laugh together. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit blossoming in our kids. It looks like radical, hospitality, and costly generosity. It looks like a group of Jesus followers that knows that life in the kingdom is too good to not pour out of us, too good to not be shared. It looks like people that choose to believe that we are already living in the kingdom of God here and now, people that agree with the new earth that was initiated by Jesus Christ and empowered by his resurrection. It looks like this, from Eugene Peterson's book, Practice Resurrection, he writes, The Holy Spirit formed the church to be a colony of heaven and a country of death. Church is the core element in the strategy of the Holy Spirit for providing human witness and physical presence to the Jesus-inaugurated kingdom of God in this world. It is not that kingdom complete, but it is a witness to that kingdom. Church is an appointed gathering of named people in particular places who practice a life of resurrection in a world in which death gets the biggest headlines. The practice of resurrection is an intentional, deliberate decision to believe and participate in resurrection life, life out of death, life that trumps death, life that is the last word, Jesus, life. We are a colony of heaven in the country of death. It's like founding the Shire on the plains of Mordor. It's like building a playground on a battlefield. It's like planting a garden in a prison yard a colony of heaven in the country of death. And we are this colony because we are all stewards of the kingdom of God that Jesus inaugurated. We carry kingdom seeds in our hearts. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We inherit everything that he gets, including the continuation of his mission. Look at Luke 17. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in our midst. A colony of heaven in the country of death the the kingdom of God is not something that we can arrive into. It's not about arrival. It is something we wake up to. It is something that we need a new way of seeing to behold it. So this is our job. This is what we do with the hope that the end of the story is good. We love people into that kingdom into that way of seeing. We love them awake into the reality of God's kingdom. We invite them to see that there's a new way to be human, a new life to live, a new way to relate and work and worship and give and serve, a new way to be a community, that this world is upside down and the kingdom We carry in our hearts in this heavenly colony is the right side up reality where human flourishing is not only possible, but it is a way of life. That is how knowing the end of the story informs us today. Now, I have some more good news about the kingdom of God in the here and now, about building for the kingdom of god. So, kids, I'm going to put a picture up here. And you can tell me what we're looking at. What what is that, kids? You can say it. A pyramid. The Great Pyramid of Giza, right? The big one. Khufu's pyramid. Did you know that that thing is about 4,500 years old? That's Crazy, 4,500 years old. And did you know that it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world? Yes. Yes. But did you know that it's pretty much the only one that's still standing, still intact? Because the other ones are gone. And I think it just goes to show, as amazing as this is, that it's still there after 4,000 years. That everything that we try to build and accomplish like this on earth, it's, it's going to fade away. Given enough time, Khufu's pyramid will go away. But here's the good news that I was talking about in Element and Church, capital C Church. Let this be an encouragement to your heart this morning because this has given me so much encouragement this week. This is an amazing truth to begin to own, and here it is. Anything built for God's kingdom will last. Is that encouraging? Anything built for God's kingdom will last. To N.T. Wright, one more time. He says, God's cre- recreation of his wonderful world which began with the resurrection of Jesus and continues mysteriously as God's people live in the risen Christ and in the power of the Spirit, means that what we do in Christ and by the Spirit and the present is not wasted. It will last all the way into God's new world. In fact, it will be enhanced there. That's encouraging. And that sounds really good. But let's go to Scripture to explore this a little bit more. In Luke 13, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, what it is, and like he does, is using story, using parable, metaphor, simile, verse 20. Again, he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour, until it's worked all through the dough. Now, yeast is what makes the bread do what? Rise. That's right. It makes the bread rise. Millions of little microorganisms that are alive and working and spreading until the whole loaf of bread can rise. And that's what Jesus compared the kingdom to here. So all of those acts of love and justice and mercy that we choose, that we were talking about earlier, any act that builds the kingdom of God and begs to differ with the darkness is like the yeast and the bread, causing the kingdom of God to rise up here and now. And that means that what we build for the kingdom of God, when we participate in the coming wholeness now, those things will last Those things will remain part of the kingdom of heaven that comes to earth, and they will be enhanced and made perfect. So be encouraged today, my friends. Be encouraged that everything that you have left better than you found it, that work will last. The sacrifices that you have made to leave people better, to love them like Jesus loves them, That will last. It will not be decimated by war. It will not be forgotten. It will not erode like a great pyramid. Your kingdom work that I see you all fight for every day. It counts, it matters, and it will last until the kingdom come. These new classrooms, this warehouse, they won't last. This isn't the church. Time or rust or fire or war or bulldozers or hurricanes or whatever, we'll see to that. But the worship that happens here and the truth that's spoken here and the children that are nurtured here and the trauma that is witnessed and healed here and the deep authentic community that we choose into and the mission that we go on together when we walk outside of these doors... Those things will last. Those things are built for the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is in our midst. And one day it will be revealed. The crooked made straight and the rough places plain. The upside down will be right side up. And we will see the goodness and wisdom and justice of God reign. And we will look around and we will say, by the grace of God and the power of his spirit, we helped build that. We built that together. From C.S. Lewis, he says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. That is why we must continue on the path of fully owning the hope of all hopes. That God is making it all new. Let's go back to Hebrews where we first started this whole thing. And Ben, you guys can come back up. From Hebrews six, eighteen through twenty. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, or some of the other ones say, an anchor to our souls. Reaching past all appearances and right to the very presence of God, where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us. I invite you, church, I implore you to reach out with a childlike and, aud- and audacious faith and grab hold of that hope of redemption with both hands. Take it. Own it. I think, I think we've begun to start to believe it. I think we've begun. But grab hold of it, church. If we follow Jesus into the future that he is writing Allowing that hope to transform the way we live and love. That's the hope that anchors your soul. And we will build for the kingdom of God with confidence and with courage and with compassion. After all, he who is worthy to sit on the throne and read from the scroll God's redemption plan, he is making all things new. We can write that down. Because it is trustworthy and it is true. Let's pray. Oh God, keep teaching us how to hope. Keep teaching us how to hope. Keep teaching us how to allow that hope to inform the way that we show up in this world, the way that we show up to our families, to strangers, to the least and the last, and the lost. We thank you, God, that every shared tear, every shared meal, every mended heart, every act of compassion and mercy, that it counts and it will last because that is building for the kingdom that Jesus has already begun God, we pray for opportunities to know and love people so that they can wake up to the reality of kingdom life, of the kind of human flourishing that only comes in the light of your truth that you taught, that you lived out, and that you proved and validated with your death and the power of your resurrection god we reach out we take the hope with both hands and we run with it we run with it amen